This is the Branches Podcast. We try to keep it simple in this family of faith, love God, and love people. Let's not make it harder than Jesus intended. If you'd like to know more about our community of faith, you can visit us at www.branchesoc.com. Jesus has this habit, God has this habit, of giving us a new name. We see here that Jesus gives Simon a new name. I think Simon's a pretty cool name. It's probably really cool at that time, maybe even popular, maybe even was the fad. But he says to Simon, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Peter, which is the word Cephas, which means rock. Do you have a nickname? At our church, everyone seems to have a nickname. Sometimes they get it before they even get there. Sometimes it's from, you know, schoolmates, from friends, coworkers, their family. At Branches, we have a, a woman called the mayor. She got that because she knows everybody. She's not really the mayor. We have a guy named G Money because his name starts with letter G and someone decided to put money at the end. His dad has had a nickname for even longer, Krusty. Uh, we have a teenage girl named EJ, initials. We have a guy that seems to always make things happen, and so someone gave him the nickname The Wolf. Uh, we have another guy who got a nickname from surfing, uh, story, funny story, so they call him Mr. Big Time. And then me, I have the name Boog, Boogie. But we're not talking about nicknames here. When God is giving a name, it's not a nickname. There's more to it. In fact, um, here in Revelations 2.17, there's a promise. This is from the message translation, Revelation 2.17. Are your ears awake? Listen, listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. And then it goes on to say, I'll also give a clear, smooth stone inscribed with your new name, your secret new name. Do you know what your name is? What does the name signify? Are we going to know it on this side of heaven? Why do some people seem to get one and some don't? It's not so much about the name, but it's about the God that gives that name. And so what I want us to do is look closer at the God who is in the business of changing names. Um, I love the way he phrases this with Peter. He says, you are Simon, but you will be Peter. You are, but you shall be. You are but you will be. So God is in the business of doing this. We see it all through history. Abraham uh, was Abram, and that meant uh, the childless, but now he's the father of many. Jacob, he was a go-aloner. He would do things all on his own. Now he gets a new name, Israel, one that consults God. John and James, they were quiet, reserved ones. In fact, 
they were so gentle that their mom had to go and ask that they would be at the right hand of Jesus. And yet Jesus gives them these names that don't seem to match up. Calls them sons of thunder. How's that for a name? But they were anything but thunder. Again, go back to Abraham. He's childless, but yet God gives him the name Abraham, which means father of many. Wait, what? It's like a turnaround. It's like the what you would expect to be your weakness, God's name for them is the opposite of that. And Peter, I could just imagine the guys listening in. Wait, Simon, you're going to call him the rock? By the way, the original rock. You're going to call him the rock. And then they get to see him live his life out. Not that they didn't know ahead of time. They already knew what he was like before. And if anybody knew who Simon was, it was anything but a rock. It was Simon himself. And so we see as Simon goes on with his life, or Peter, which is his real name, I could just see Peter himself, not to mention everybody else going, the rock. You mean the rock, me, who wavered when I was walking on the water? The rock. You're going to call me the steady one who refused God's will for you and you had to rebuke me and say, get behind me, Satan. You sure you want to give this name to me? You sh- Are you sure you got the right guy? This same rock who's going to deny you? The same rock who when a child comes and says, you know Jesus, you were with him. I never knew the man. Is that who we call the rock? Or what about when everybody was coming to grab you, Jesus, and I just panicked and I pulled out my sword and I cut off a soldier's ear? The rock? That doesn't seem like a calm one. That doesn't seem like a patient one. That doesn't seem like someone people would follow. I fail left and right, and you're going to call me rock? When you die, Jesus, when you're up on the cross, I wasn't even there. How can I be called the rock? And so Peter, the rock, goes on to do all of these things, to live this way. And yet he needs to be reminded again, no, this is who you are. And so in Matthew 16, Jesus is is hearing what everybody is saying about him because it's like a crossroads for people. Who is this man? Is he the Messiah? What is he just a, a prophet? Is he a liar? Is he a magician? And so he looks at his disciples and he says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, I like that they put both names in here. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. So he calls him Simon here. But in verse 18, he says, And I tell you that you are Peter. Who needs to be reminded of that? Peter. He needs to be reminded of who he is 
Because Jesus, when he calls us, he calls us by the name of our becoming, of what we will be. You are Simon, son of John, but you will be the rock. So what God said to Peter is unique in terms of the fact that his name is Peter, because not everyone's going to get the same name. But the idea, the reality of us having a name is what God does. Ask Abraham, ask Israel, ask Sarah, ask the sons of thunder. And I've seen this happen in real life because I don't know how we find out about our name. God chooses when to reveal it to us, whether it's here or whether it's there, whether it's now or whether it's later. And for my son, my oldest son, it happened before he was born. God made it clear to us. We loved the name Keaton. I just liked the way it sounded. It's just cool, right? Keaton. But we realized, we can't just name him that because it sounds cool. Like, come on, there's got to be, we want meaning behind that name. We want to have God choose his name. Or at least we are choosing the name and giving it as an honor to him or to um, our son's legacy or his future or where he came from. And so we got one of those books that has all the names of, of children and what they mean. And I want to flash back now. That was in 2001. And so we flash back when my wife was a senior in high school. She wanted to go to a Christian private school. She felt that's where she was supposed to be. That's where she was being called to. But it made no sense for her to go there because she didn't have the money to pay for the extreme cost of tuition. And so she just went to go pray at a beach called Lost Winds. Uh, overlooking the, the beach is a cliff and there's a lookout. And so she leaned against the fence at the lookout and, and she just started praying. Oh, God, what? Why are you calling me? Why, are you, why does it feel like you're pulling me to this school, but I don't have the means to pay for it? You know my family. So she just kept praying and praying and just unloading to God, confused, but submitting. And it was one of those moments where she felt God's presence. Now, a lot of times when we're praying, we feel like we're just speaking to the ceiling, like, God, are you here? Are you listening? But this moment, she knew God was there. And so as she just released herself into his will and she opened her eyes and she looked, there was a hawk within like, if she had just leaned over, she would have touched this hawk on the head. And she had never been this close to a hawk and it was scary, she said. She goes, I understand now why they're called birds of prey. It was just fierce and had these huge talons. Like, I feel God's presence and there's a hawk. Is there some kind of connection? Well, within that week, this scholarship came from nowhere. She didn't know where, who, how she got it or why she got it that allowed her to go to this school. It was as if God heard her prayer. Now, she's at school. Let's flash forward a little bit. She meets this amazing guy. That's me. And we're dating. And she realizes that this is starting to move forward, moving in the direction towards marriage, which she was not yet prepared for. It wasn't part of her plan. And 
so she goes down. The, the school that she ended up getting into is, is right there on the beach. And so she went down on the cliffs overlooking this beach in San Diego, away from her home, completely different area, different city. And as she's down there, she's just talking to God again. That's what prayer is. God, like, I thought you wanted me to go and do this. I thought you wanted me to, to leave the country. I thought you wanted me to be a, a, a nurse. I thought you want, this was what you had for me. But is this what you want for me? What do you want me to do? I'll break it off. But I'll also say, yes, what, what, what should I do? And as she's praying again, she's, she likes to pray with her eyes closed and she just senses God's presence. And she's like, because oh. it doesn't happen all the time. And it's this, she's just out, like on the, just out on the cliff. And she opens her eyes and right there on the ground is a hawk. Not the same hawk, I don't think. A different hawk. And she's like, what is the deal with the hawks? I'm not Native American. I've never, I've never seen hawks before. What's going on here? Shortly after that, uh, I can't remember the exact time frame, but very soon after that, we got engaged. So we're married. Uh, we have tried to have children. She's had multiple miscarriages. And she receives a phone call that really disturbs her. Someone basically saying, what's wrong with you? You should be pregnant. And so we are, we're on a vacation. We're actually down in Mexico now, a different country. And uh, she's angry. She's angry at God. Like, I've, I've followed you. I've committed to you. I see these other people in my life that aren't following you, and they're not even trying to have kids, and they get it. Like, God, what is going on? Do you hear me? Are you punishing me? What's happening? And she's just laying all this out before God and just yelling at him. You can do that. God can handle it. As she's doing that, she again just knows that she's just surrendered to him and she opens her eyes and within 15 feet above her, not one, not two, but three hawks are circling above her head. Again, what is the deal with the hawks? So this is in the summer and Shortly after that, she becomes pregnant with our son. So now let's fast forward to 2001 as we're looking through this book. And she remembers and she says, hey, what does that name Keaton mean? Because we had just given up on the name. We, kept, we moved forward. And I open it up and I see the name. I didn't even think I'd see it in there. I thought we made the name up. Never heard of anyone named Keaton before. And I see the name... And I just close the book, I put it down, I go, that's his name. Done. Keaton means where hawks fly. Now I share that not to just share some amazing story. I share it to show that God gives us our name, our real name. And for me, it is so encouraging because I know that Keaton belongs to our God. I know that Keaton is known. 
I know that God has a plan for him. I don't know what it is. I know that God is in control, and I know that God will use Keaton Wesley Rose. You also have a name. Whether you find it on this side of heaven or afterwards, God has a name for you. And he seems to have this habit of choosing a name for us that seems to be the opposite of our weaknesses. God knows you. God loves you, and he has a plan for you. So whether you feel his presence, whether you see a hawk, whatever it is, just know that God has shown himself faithful time and time again. He did it with Simon, who he called Peter. Because Peter showed himself to become the rock. Our, um, our church, it's called Branches. Uh, at the time, I knew that God gave us that name for the church. I looked online to see if anyone else anywhere had a church named Branches, and they didn't. But it didn't matter because I felt that God was calling us. I am the vine, you are the branches. And I felt that there, that was the name that he had for this community of faith for, for however long he would keep us together. Now there are other churches named Branches. And people ask me, oh, are you okay with that? I didn't come up with the name. God gave us that name. He probably gave them that name as well for his purposes, to bring honor to him. And there are times when I'm thinking, God, you called us the branches. We're, are we not abiding you? Aren't you supposed to bear fruit? Because there's times when it feels like there should be more coming from this community of faith. Like we should be doing more in the world. And then there's times where we're just blessed, going, that's why you called us branches. Look at what you are doing, God. You know what you're doing. The thing about Peter, the thing about Keaton, and the thing about branches is that God is in the business of calling us by the name of our becoming. You might not see it at the time, or it may not be fulfilled the way you thought, but God is faithful and will finish what he started. And I love this because when he tells Peter, after Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, he says, you are the rock. And then he goes on to say this, I will build my church on this rock. You've got to know he's not saying he's building his church on Peter. God doesn't build his church on a person, on a personality. What he's building it on is the truth of what Peter has said. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus is saying, on this truth, which is the rock, which is the steadiness, I will build my church. So for us here at Branches and any other church, it's not our job to try to build the church. God does it. He's the one that's going to finish the work that he started. And he says the gates of hell will not overcome it. And when we hear that in Revelation, we immediately think... Oh, good. So as the church, we're protected from, from being attacked 
No, 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 no. The gates are at hell. The gates are protecting hell. And what God is saying here, what Jesus is saying, is that on this rock, that I am the Messiah, the Son of God, I will build my church, and this church will storm the gates of hell. We will bring light into the darkness. That's what we're meant to do. Church is not built on a person. It's not built by a person. And it's built on the statement that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And we have a purpose and a calling. And it's to be a storm. A storm that charges into the dark and brings the light of the good news. God bless.